Welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. I'm your host, John Henry Weston, and pleased to bring you today our interview with Gloria, Princess of Tone and Taxis. Princess Gloria is one of the wealthiest women in Germany. She's also one of the most fascinating women in the world today. Born of German nobility in 1960, at 20 years old, she married Johannes, the 11th Prince of Thorn und Taxis, who was quite a bit older. She became a storybook princess of the 80s, living the jet-set lifestyle with friends including Mick Jagger and Andy Warhol. Her luxurious lifestyle and at times wild fashion led her to be dubbed the Punk Princess and Princess TNT. Warhol's artwork of the crucifixion graces the princess's palatial Rome apartment where we met to tape our show in her private chapel. Princess Gloria is described by Wikipedia as a German socialite, a businesswoman, philanthropist, Catholic activist, and artist. But her faith blossomed after her husband's death, which left her with three little children and hundreds of millions in debt. She had to sell off property, jewelry, cars, and much more, and reorganize the family finances to preserve the family fortune. A devout Catholic and traditional Catholic, who is close to Pope Benedict XVI, to Cardinals Müller and Cardinal Burke, she defies the false characterization of traditional Catholics. She loves the poor and cares for them like few others do. In fact, Gloria's family serves 300 hot meals to the poor every day, a tradition which is carried on for 100 years now at the family's 500-room castle in Germany. At the same time, Gloria is a personal friend of Hillary Clinton, whose birthday Gloria attended, and in March, Clinton attended the funeral of Gloria's sister Maya. Without further ado, here is our interview with Princess Gloria. Welcome to this special edition of the John Henry Weston Show, coming to you from Rome, where we're very pleased to be with Princess Gloria and Taxis. Welcome, Princess Gloria. Thank you very much. Um, you've probably heard of Princess Gloria. She's been in the news uh, lately uh, with regard to the Holy Father. She was covered in December in the New York Times, uh, talking about, uh, rather controversially, uh, about the Holy Father, and uh, more recently as well when the Holy Father made comments on Verona. And so we're going to give Princess Gloria a chance to speak in her own words rather than edited by some editor at the New York Times. So, uh, Princess Gloria... Things have been in the church for the past five years or so uh, rather um, strained. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of division. And uh, first of all, how do you see that, and what do you see your role in that? Well, I try to ignore the division because division is always something negative. So my way forward always is to be somebody that is very welcoming and also to live and do everything by the example. Like, I want to be a straightforward Catholic, like I have always been, and not get distracted by the modern stuff. Mm -hmm. you're, um, you're very into the tradition of the church. You were inspired by um, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, then Pope Benedict, uh, a good friend of yours. Um, how has your relationship with uh, Pope Benedict or Cardinal Ratzinger before that helped you in your faith? Well, I have had many acquaintances with very good priests because I have always made a point out of meeting good fathers that I could relate to and talk to. And 
Cardinal Ratzinger then came very often to Regensburg and I had the privilege to invite him to my house. And of course, I also read his books and his interviews. So that is, of course, very uplifting what he was saying. But um, he was not the only one. So I always, because he was in Rome and he was far away. So for me, it was always very important to also have priests that are very nearby that one can go to confession regularly. I think that's very important on your way if you want to deepen the faith and also get the maximum strength is to actually go to the sacraments. Sacraments are the key to the well-being of the soul. Mm -hmm. So your whole approach is to live the faith as best you can, to encourage that to go forward and to encourage other people to do the same with the help of the sacraments and good priests. I always think it is very good if the people see that we are a happy religion and I'm always trying to to show that in the way of my the way I'm doing things in the way I give parties in the way I bring friends together in the way now we just celebrated a hundred years of soup kitchen the house toll on taxes has started a soup kitchen for 300 people every day, we give a three-course meal since world the end of World War One, And just on this Saturday, we had a 100-year celebration. And of course, all the poor people who come to our kitchen regularly were invited. And it was a fabulous party because you had on the one side the politicians that are very highbrow, and you had the people from the society all, all very elegantly dressed. And then, of course... The poor people who are also in their best dresses and we all partied together in the cloisters of our palace, of our uh, former Benedictine Abbey, and had a good time. And that's Catholic. Mm -hmm. Catholic is to have a good time, to smile, to laugh, and to know that everything has a happy end. Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing witness to a uh, uh, reach out to the poor. Um, often people who are more traditional in the church are criticized for, you know, ignoring the poor. And yet here you are continuing your 100-year-long family tradition of assisting the poor in huge number. Yes, and it, we also give food to the, to the kindergarten, so it was very nice. The little children came and they had rehearsed. They were all dressed like little chefs and they had rehearsed a poem and sang a song for us. I think the key to survive any bad times and... Of course, on the on the economical side, we live in very good times, but on the spiritual side, we are living in very bad times. But I think be before we had the war, then it was economically bad, but spiritually the people were strong and they were faithful and the churches were full. Well, now we have the contrary. So what we can do, first of all, we can show the beauty of the liturgy. That's why I, I always like to encourage a beautiful liturgy, because this is always uplifting for everybody. And then, of course, a way of life, a happy way of life, and that's Catholic. Mm -hmm. So on this controversy with the Holy Father, what are, what are your impressions of the Holy Father? And what are your, you know, a lot of your friends, as the New York Times kept saying about, you know, you're the organizer or whatever of this anti-Francis movement, but... What, what are your thoughts there? That's totally nonsense. But you know, the, the, the news always want to divide because it makes the story more sexy in their eyes if people are against each other. I think 
That's absolutely not true. I gather all sorts of people in my house. They can be socialists, they can be communists, they can be Christian Democrats, um, they can be uh, traditional Christians and go to Latin Mass, but they can also be the happy clappy. I, I, if the people are nice, they are all welcome in my friends' circles. If we, if we want to analyze the Pope, you always have to see the Pope is a Jesuit. And the Jesuits have their own way of evangelizing. They have their way, and they think their way is successful. And you can agree to this to a certain point. You can also say, mm, maybe a little bit too worldly, maybe a little... So, but I am not a historian, but it's very interesting to see the, 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 the strategical approach for evangelization of the Jesuits through the last 200 years. Maybe that's a great uh, theme for our thesis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in terms of dealing with the crisis that's in the church right now, you've mentioned that there's a crisis. And in terms of dealing with it, I noticed that you've got a statue of Our Lady on, on, on your desk. Tell me what influence she's played and what influence you think she might have in the crisis of the church. Well, she certainly has a huge influence because we can already see that in Fatima she has actually solved the problems. The prayers have solved the problems. We see that Russia today is much more Christian than any other Western country. So if we're looking spiritually, we have to look to the East. And I always say to my American friends, we have to come away from our... Um, idea that Russia is bad because Russia today ideologically is more on our side than the East Coast intelligentsia or the one world uh, uh, global, uh, the globalists. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a huge uh, um, political direction that is actually anti-Catholic and anti-Christianism. And these people have a huge influence in the media world, in Hollywood. In, and if the Americans understand that Russia ideologically is no longer their enemy, but we are fighting a huge battle to safeguard Christianism, then I think a lot of problems can be solved because Russia and all the Eastern countries, Lithuania, Estonia, Poland, Hungary, Slovakia, um, Slavonia, um, um, Romania, um, Croatia. These countries are all pro-Christianism. They are our friends. And I think if we're looking at a long-term battle for Christianity, we have to acknowledge that these are our friends, these countries are our friends, and we are fighting a battle to safeguard Christianism. Mm -hmm. you're, a, you're very interesting in that you actually run in the circles with a lot of these same people who hate Christianity. Um, how do you deal with such people? Uh, your friends, for instance, with <laughs> Hillary Clinton, um, other people in the world who have a lot of power, who sit in the realms of power, but have done many things which have while they might not think so, have attacked the Christian faith, uh, the promotion of abortion and the gender ideology and so on in America. 
has actually led to the restriction of Christian freedom. Uh, you know, uh, adoption agencies all over the United States have been shut down. Boston's ran for a hundred years when they insisted on homosexual adoption, allowing it. The you know Catholic adoption agency said they couldn't do it, and they had to shut down after a hundred years. So these are real uh, uh, limitations or restrictions, persecution, you might say, of, of Christianity in America, the land of the free. But you are actually interacting with the same people who are doing some of that. How how does that work? Well. As I said before, I think it's always very, very important to keep a dialogue and to keep friendship, also if people are don't, no, don't agree with you. Because I think it, if you shut the door and you no longer converse, you no longer dialogue, then, then you will never be able to influence. And I think that most of the people who are for certain things do not really understand the long-term implication. They just have a very short-term view. I think that the the the, the hugest or the b- biggest um, uh, goal that we have to achieve in society today is that we are no longer attached of these old um, ideas of Eastern and Western conflict. Because let's remember that all the bad revolutions that happened in the past were always ideology-led. They were either conquering new uh, um, ground, which hasn't happened anymore, but also underled by huge ideology, thinking of the Russian Revolution, thinking of the French Revolution. So what is the ideology today? Today the ideology is anti-Christian ideology. Now if we, Canada, USA, we in, in Europe, if we get together and under, and the Eastern countries and we understand that this is no longer a battle that can be conquered with uh, huge battleships and tanks and, and airplanes, but this is a war that is an asymmetrical war with terrorism. Then we realize we can spend more money in communication and, and bringing our people together, the people who love God, who, the people who believe in the Trinity, the people who believe in the Our Lady, and that's how we can fight abortion, euthanasia, and all these terrible threats that are coming, rolling towards us in a huge velocity. That's why I think our, our duty is to convince our friends on the other side of the Atlantic, Russia and the Eastern country are our friends, and we need them in the help to fight the battle of asymmetric terrorism and the, the asymmetric media war that is bringing pornography into the children's home, into the children, and who want to destroy our society by killing the oldest because they no longer serve a purpose, and also killing the unborn. So that's, if we recognize it, we have to fight together with the East. That's when we can really win the battle. Now, you're a very interesting character also in that, since you're in those, um, you're meeting with those very same people, um, you're able to give a witness of a true Christian. Um, I love the fact that you go to daily mass. In fact, we're sitting right now in in what is your chapel. And um, daily mass is a big part of your life. And I think sort of it 
shows through. The, the, the faith has to be lived out, and when it's lived out, it comes through and, and affects other people around us. Um, have you ever seen uh, people look at you because of your faith uh, and, and be affected by it? Well, of course, people criticize you when you have when you when you when you come out and you admit that you have a Catholic faith and you're a happy Catholic. Then they will say yes, but she is stingy, and she's not nice to her kids, and she's lied, and they're trying to bring you down by saying the things about you, because everybody has this wrong idea that just because you are a good practicing Catholic, you must be a saint. No. None of us is a saint. A saint is a rare, 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 like the triple, triple, quadruple diamond that you find in very seldomly. A saint is something we look up to. Of course, we admire and we want to be like that, but none of us is a saint because we are all sinners. And that's why there is this wonderful thing. The church hates the sin, but loves the sinner. And that's why it's not true that we always um, talk down on people who don't live the way we should live. Because we all don't live the way we should live. We all are sinners. But that's the great thing about Catholicism, that you actually deal with your sins. When you go to confession, you deal and you say, I was nasty, I was not patient, I did this and that wrong. And if you deal with your shortcomings, that's how you can get better. Now... You've, in your past, lived life on the other side, and now, as a, as a Catholic, um, what would you say about that? Because you lived the storybook life that everybody thinks would be the greatest thing in the world when you were um, into a lifestyle that's very different from what you are now. Um, a lot of young people would look to you uh, and say, wow, I wish, because they all want to be a princess. Um, but you lived that life before. How would you describe your movement of faith from being someone who was Catholic in name to Catholic practicing and what would your advice be for young people? First of all I was thank God always a practicing Catholic because I was raised my parents prayed with me on the bedside we prayed before the meals we went to church on Sunday and then of course in my teens I was bored going to church First of all, because the church service became really terrible. With with the, they were trying to copy the hit parade, but they were not able. The, the show people are always better than than if they stand there with a the guitar trying to be as as good as as the Rolling Stones. It's not happening. So of course, the church life got very unattractive. But of course, my parents wanted us to to attend, and we attended. And then, of course, I had a, a period where I wasn't so much into, but. When the problems, when the rainy days come, you, re you have a chance to realize and to recompose. And I got so much help from above when through my rainy days, and I had very bad rainy days. So to be grateful, I decided to be a more grateful Christian because I am grateful for what I got and I'm grateful what did not happen in my life. And that's why I became after my husband passed away and I had to deal with so many problems by myself and my, I was alone with my three children, bringing them up. I needed the help. And when you, when you ask for help, you're getting the help. That's why I encourage everybody, if the sacraments are really the best 
um, strength giver for life and they help and it, it really makes a difference. It makes you a happier person. It makes you being able to deal with the challenges of life and it 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 helps it helps you in every aspect of life. And that's why I, I I encourage this. Beautiful. Any closing thoughts that you want to give our viewers on LifeSite News? I would say watch LifeSite News because LifeSite News is a fabulous news outlet which is not always very pleasing to everybody, I will admit that, but they are the only ones who really put the finger into the wound and sometimes they even stir in the wound. <laughs> but always in a very fair way. And I think we live in times where we know everything. It used to be that we didn't know things and that's why we had more space for dreaming. Unfortunately, today we are we live in a life of the internet and transparency and i think if we get so many news we also should get real catholic news and that's what you give us praise god princess story thank you thank, thank god you. bless you <laughs> for life site news this is john henry weston and may god bless you <laughs>